Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 170 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. I'm going to start changing mine because you always sound so damn good. So, my name is Barbara. Well, Barb, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are y'all doing down in Florida? Ugh, it's raining like a mofo. It's hot it's as really, hell. Really mm. busy here at Night Dental and uh, all is well. Yeah? Yeah. If you're going to be busy, you might as well have crappy weather outside. Exactly. <laughs> I'm doing good. Oh, yeah. Please tell me. How's the job going? Good? It's going well. I'm starting right. to get out and about, visit some labs. It's fun. I like going in there, mm-hmm. talking to people with the same mindset. Hard not to turn it into an interview for the podcast, but I'm trying. <laughs> good for you. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to going to more labs as time continues. Awesome. So what do we got going on this week? Well... You know, this is the last week for Dental Technician and CDT Appreciation Month. And all month, we've been asking people to send in their audio thanks. So make sure you stay tuned until after the interview to hear them. And if you wish you did it and you feel bad, well, honestly, you should. Because... (laughs) No guilt. Good Catholic guilt for you. (laughs) It's really easy to do. And we only do it once a year. So if you didn't do it, you're going to have to wait about 365 days until you get a chance. But it should give you plenty of time to find more people in the industry to be thankful for. So think about them and submit them next year. (laughs) Well, okay. Come on, guys. The next stop for Voices from the Bench will be Ladies of the Mill Summit, July 23rd and 24th in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And of course... We'll be recording from the Preet booth all weekend. Super unique event, first of its kind. Female positive guys are invited meeting that is shaping up to be an educational and a lot of fun. So head over to ladiesofthemill.com to see the lineup and to register. And just for being a listener of our podcast, you can enter the code VOICES when checking out and get $50 off your registration. So Thank you, Ladies of the Mill, for that amazing deal. I mean, the registration's $200, $50 off is awesome. So we'll see you there. Looking forward to it. Right on. Me too. So this week, we got to talk to a denturist out of British Columbia, Canada. Now, we love denturists on this program, and we love talking to them because they get to be technicians and clinicians. But usually, denturists are analog, setting teeth in wax, processing acrylic, But Carson Law from Northern Lights Denture Clinic only does digital dentures in their practice. Carson comes on the podcast to talk about why she became a denturist, what the process in the school was like, and how they can run a fully digital practice that mixes clinical with science and art. So join us as we chat with Carson Law. Elvis, when your lab was getting busy again after the shutdown, how the heck did you handle all of the extra work? It definitely came back a lot quicker than we expected. And the nice thing is that we have amazing partner to labs in the industry, Alien Milling. Not only did they handle all the designs that we were not prepared to do, but they could also handle any milling we needed done. 
So, you know, one of the buzzwords is that the outsourced design centers lack consistency. Did you see any of that? Was that an issue? Not at all. Not only was everything back to us the next day, all the designs were done here in the U.S. with a team of dedicated technicians that gave us what we like to call straight-to-mill designs. So basically, that's no adjustments needed in my language. Pretty much. You didn't have to open up 3Shape to make sure it looked okay. Nice. It went straight to the mill. And if the case was super complex, we just let them mill it. No matter if it was a zirconia crown, Emacs, an abutment, titanium bars, or even dentures. I had no idea they do all of that. So how is their turnaround times? We all know that that's the most difficult part of outsourcing work. You know, you just don't know. Absolutely. Most services are done next day. From crowns to bars, even the iVotion digital denture next day. Wow. Seriously, next day? That's amazing. Yep. What if I want to have Alien mill some of my crowns, but also mill my own? Do you think the doctors will know the difference? You know, believe it or not, they're not just a milling center. Alien Milling also provides the discs of the same zirconia and can set you up with one of their amazing mills so you can produce the same quality restorations that you want your lab to be known for. Wow. Sounds out of this world, totally amazing. What is the best way to find out more about Alien Milling? You can give them a call at 844-ZIRCONIA. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty fancy. That's 844-947-2664. Or head over to alienmilling.com to see all the services and products they offer. I'm going to do it. Thank you. We appreciate your support of our podcast, Alien Milling. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. Excited to welcome to the podcast Denturist from up in British Columbia, Canada, Carson Law. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Elvis. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. Yes, ma'am. Right on. Good to hear. I see you. Well, before pandemic, you were everywhere. You were speaking for Argon. I saw you at Lab Day. I've seen you on some Denturist webinars. Tell us how you ended up becoming a denturist. What drove you to that profession? Oh, well, it's a bit of a long story, but... uh... We have plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) From a young age, I always loved the dental industry, and I think it was just because I had a really good hygienist as as a kid. So I knew right away in high school, I was lucky. I knew I wanted to get into healthcare and hopefully into the dental field. So I set myself up to do my biomedical undergraduate degree in health sciences. My original plan was to actually be a dentist. But after the first year of university, things just kind of changed. It was, you know, a lot of school to do. And I just wanted to get out into the industry and start making money. So I revamped my plan essentially to try going into dental hygiene first, just Mm -hmm. because I wanted to make sure it was exactly what I wanted to do. In Prince George, we're lucky enough that we have a dental hygiene program, but unfortunately for me, um, the program shut down the year that I had got accepted into it. So for lack of a better phrase, a door basically slammed me right in the face. Um, and <laughs> Why did it shut? With the tuition fee schedule, you can only up it by a certain percentage per year. So if they shut the program down and then reopen it, they can reopen it at a higher fee schedule. So it would have made them a bit more competitive with 
every other school in the industry, as far as I understood it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I went to my parents' house. I said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't want to be out of school for a year. And, you know, I hadn't really decided fully on a full-time career path at the time. I was just lifeguarding at one of our city pools. So my mom's friend had talked to me about a denturist and I had thought that you had to go to dental school and then specialize to become mm-hmm. a denturist. And she's like, I don't think it's that way. And funny enough, she had a friend and his name was Carson. And she's like, why don't you go down, go meet him, go see what it's about. I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds good. So I drove about three and a half hours south of where I'm from and went and met him. And I just instantly fell in love with it. I'm like, this is, this is perfect. It's a mix of healthcare and art and a demographic of people that, you know, seemed awesome. So he, yeah, he was looking at selling his practice. I just said, you know, I'd obviously have to go to school and look into it. So fast forward a few months, I ended up applying to three schools, one of which again, ended up shutting down. (laughs) So yeah, just lo and behold, that was my year. But in that, the school that did shut down um, as a prerequisite in applying had asked us to go into denture clinics and shadow for four hours. So in Prince George, we have four denture clinics. And I just went on Google and I found Esther's Clinic, uh, Northern Light Denture Clinic. So mm-hmm. I went in there and it was definitely a step up from even the first clinic I had visited. And Esther's Esther, I mean, how could you not love her? Yeah. So we bonded right away and she gave me some advice. She actually told me about CDI College, which was the school I hadn't applied to. She's like, you know, you should check into it. So she was monumental in my career um, just because I ended up applying and getting into CDI I moved to Surrey in, I think, four months later and started at um, the school down there. And then I finished off my program. But also what had happened in me meeting Esther is I had met another venturist in Quinnell. And the other aspect of, you know, what I wanted in my life was I wanted to be in dental, but I also didn't want to be an employee for my whole life. So Mm -hmm. I was looking at, you know, I want to get in somewhere where there is a place for me to move up and eventually own a company. So in Quinnell, which is about an hour south of Prince George, Carson's brother, George Walker, he was looking at getting out a little bit sooner and was willing to take me on as an intern and stay working until then. Because when you're done school, you still have to do basically a internship out in the field for approximately like six months to a year. Yeah. So we formulated this plan, went to school, went back to Quinnell. I was working away with George and he had been in the industry for, gosh, I think close to 45 years, a very long time. Um, So It was an amazing experience because I got to learn how, you know, the the old school guys, as we kind of call them now, but the originals, how they made ventures. So it taught me so much in my career because I learned the fundamental basics from a guy that had been doing it for so long. But as, you know, most people would know in hearing this, you don't just come out of school, do a year and then own a company. And especially in our field, there's so many things that go along with it that, you know, when he was ready to retire, I just wasn't ready to take it on by myself. Mm-hmm. So I ended up following up with Esther. She was like, you know, if you do want to come here, for sure, we can get together. And I made the jump back home. I'm from Prince George. So it was nice to be able to come back here. And and now I'm at Northern Lights Venture Clinic as an associate with Esther. So it's been a whole circle of events and opportunities, but I'm very happy to have landed where I have. What was the schooling like? It was a year you said, what did you have to go through? So school that I went to, it was the first year they were running a program and it's actually a private 
college. So it's run slightly different. So it was two straight years of theory and clinical. And then I graduated. And then in BC, you have to do the licensing exam. So I wrote here and I also wrote in Ontario. So I was dual licensed for a short amount of time. But the schooling aspect was very interesting. And that is because when we signed up, it was basically told to us that they had some form of accreditation. So in order to be able to get licensed in BC, you have to have gone to an accredited college. So at the time we all got in, but they were still going through the accreditation process. So it got a little bit wild near the end because, you know, they still had to ensure that well, and hope that they got it, that their program had met it. So we had such an amazing class dynamic. And I think it was A, because we were the first group and B, because we had so much on the line that we wanted the school to excel and the program to excel. So, you know, going from a university type of, you know, rapport with classmates to CDI, it was completely different. And it was more like a family. And in all honesty, two years down there, my classmates made it, the teachers were great. And I mean, it was cool to live in a bigger city than I had been from. So it was exceptional. But I think just like any other institute and any other program, it's not until you actually get into the real world that you learn what you need to learn. They give you a good fundamental, but yeah, the real world that teaches you a lot of the life lessons. Oh yeah. How big was your class? We started out, I think at around 21 and we graduated, I believe with 18. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. Like there was people from all over the world and all of all different ages. So you definitely had like the moms and dads of the group. So then you had the younger kids because you can essentially take the denturist program right out of high school. Is it recommended? Not really, but there are some that do it. So, you know, we had some kids that were 18 in our program and we had the oldest, I think was around 65. So it was a diverse group for sure. So there's still hope for older removable technicians. <laughs> Definitely. Great. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So you get out of school and then you mentioned you had to take a test. Yeah. And that's dependent on the area you're going to be practicing in. So in Canada, each province has different rules and different scopes of practice as a denturist. It's not a national um, Okay not a national scope kind of like how we do with states here yes yeah exactly yeah so when you get out um you have to do a 900 hour internship and in that 900 hours the college lays out for you specifics of cases that you have to complete and then you have to put all of those cases and documentation together into a portfolio that then gets looked at by our college members and hopefully approved for you And while you're doing this internship, you also have to do a written theory exam. And before when I wrote you also, as long as you pass the theory and as long as you pass the internship portfolio, you were then invited to write your clinical exam, which you brought your own patient and did basically made a denture for them. Um, Now in BC and all across Canada, they're looking at making a standardized testing system so that every province... Mm -hmm. Although scopes will remain slightly different as it stands right now, it will go to internship and then an OSCE type of examination. And some of the provinces, actually, I should say, don't even have to do the internship because they build it into their school curriculum. So Hmm. to generalize it, I guess everyone would just have to write an OSCE exam. Yeah. 
are dentures in favor of the standardizing across the country? Is that a positive thing? I think so. And you know what? I think if we get a standardized exam, what my hopes are would be that we get a standardized scope of practice as well. So BC out of all the provinces in Canada is one of the ones that is the most limited in what we can do. I mean, that's a lot before my time. I've just this is going to be my second year sitting on our college board, but I mean, I'm slowly learning kind of how and why things have been made the way they are. But I'm hoping that, you know, with this small step forward with the standardized exam, like I said, we can see a standardization in, in the form of scope. And I think it would just make it easier for patients because we have, you know, some cities and towns that are border cities and towns. So, you know, if they go 15 minutes west to BC, well, it's a little bit different than if they went 15 minutes east to Alberta, let's say, where they can do a little bit more. So it makes it a little bit complicated. Yeah, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Even some of the laws in between states kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating down there too. And I think that was like one of the most eye-opening things in, you know, being able to travel with Esther and the team is just understand, like a lot of people didn't even know what dentists were, because there isn't really a lot of states, as far as I'm aware, where they can practice similar to how we do with as being their own practice, essentially. It's awfully popular in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. Is it a very populated profession? So in British Columbia, we have 175 in total dentures in BC. But what's happening with the profession is before they were known as dental mechanics. So like George, the guy I had worked for at Carson, that's what originally they were mm-hmm. known as. And then um, they became dentures and their scope kind of expanded. But what we're seeing is there's a, a vast amount of the older population that are still practicing with not quite as many younger people coming out and actually getting licensed. So I think what we're going to see, you know, in the next five to 10 years is probably even a smaller amount of people actually being registered dentists. And again, that's just because the exam is quite difficult. The one in BC was, and a lot of people even in Canada don't know what dentists are. It's a very niche profession. So unless you kind of have somebody in it or, you know, word of mouth kind of similar to my story and even my experience, I didn't know that you could become a denturist doing what I did. So I think, like I said, unless, you know, it gets marketed a little bit better, which we're trying to do um, and hopefully, you know, people start passing exams and wanting to get fully licensed then hopefully that number will start to increase. In Canada, is there like a positive, you know, like sometimes in America, you know, the dentists against the denturists, you know, there's a little bit of edge there. What is it like in Canada? In Canada, from my experience, we are so lucky, mostly because, you know, when you look at billable hours in a chair, for the dentists don't necessarily want to do all the work that it takes to make a prosthetic when, you know, they could do a crown in a quarter of the time and make more money. So the other thing, too, is now the dental schools, as far as I've understood in Canada, are also not restricting. And I don't know what they were like before, but I think they only spend around a month on learning removable. So a lot of what we're seeing in northern BC is, you know, these new dentists are graduating, coming out, and they don't want to do prosthetics. They don't like it. They're more than happy to be like, hey, here you go. And they're also very open to treatment planning. And actually, all the dentists that I've worked with that we have in our community are awesome. I've worked in Prince. I've worked in a smaller town in Cornell. And I've also worked in a bigger city down in Vancouver. 
And in all cases, you build great relationships with the dentist. And I think once you can build that rapport and you have that trust and you can bounce things back and forth off of each other, you know, you just end up being able to treatment plan so much better for your patients. So in short, I think the relationships up here are getting better and better every year. That's fantastic. That's a great answer too, by the way. Do you see more dentists sending to denturist or denturist sending to dentist? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good question. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a common question. And I think when you have an older generation dentist, they're scared to refer because they don't want to lose that patient. And for some cases, when the patient's going to lose their teeth, well, yes, like there is a chance that that patient might not go back for an an oral screening for oral cancers or anything else. But Esther and I were like, you know what, we need to change the idea of this because it's not like that. So um, we're lucky enough, Esther has a brewery in Prince George. So who doesn't like talking like teeth and beer? So we put on... She owns a brewery? (laughs) Yes. Like, honestly, it's what got us through digital. It's what, you know, I think probably built our awesome relationship because everyone's like, these chicks got beer. Like, we got to go there. (laughs) And seltzers now, I should say. So we're like, you know, we have to change this idea that they're going to lose these patients. So we had this dental night and Esther presented and it was wonderful because in a lot of cases, if we get a patient in that still has natural dentition and it's in good, you know, a good healthy condition, we want to send it to a dentist to have it checked out before we make a partial. So now we've also just given that dentist a patient that will hopefully become, you know, a 10, 20 year patient as long as they keep up the oral hygiene and are educated. So I would say it's a very bounce back and forth type of relationship. We also get a lot of inquiries about implant supported prosthetics. So again, you know, you're referring that workout to have implant placements done and then that back and forth type of rapport. So I would say that for as much as they give us work, you know, on the other hand, we do definitely give them work and they're appreciative of that just as much as we are. And, you know, I think a lot of light bulbs went off in that night where, and I mean, maybe it was because they were a little intoxicated, but (laughs) everybody, they were like, ah, we love you guys. This is awesome. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of having those conversations. And to be honest, you know, the hygienists and assistants sometimes you know, they don't even know what to do in cases when dentures come in and different things like that. So we're like, hey, phone us, like chat with us. We'll help you out just like you'll help us out with teeth when we're like, hey, we got this radiograph. We need your your help on, on checking it out. So yeah, just a great way to build a relationship. I'm curious how many patients come to a denturist because the dentist just couldn't complete a good denture. You see it all the time in our industry where mm-hmm. no matter what you do, you can't get the patient happy. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, is just because the dentist is frustrated. Yeah. Do you guys end up with those patients a lot? Um. Yes and no. We see a lot of work patients are like that come from a totally different country and not even the States. But, you know, we have a lot of patients that will come from Mexico and that's just because we have snowbirds, right? People go down there for the winter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's always interesting. Those are my favorite ones because I'm like, what are we going to see today? But, you know, usually in all honesty, usually we don't. And I think where that disconnect happens in my personal opinion, is you have to set expectations. At the end of the day, we are giving you a piece of plastic 
and that relies on suction and saying, hey, we want you to kind of function like you did when you had 28 teeth that were stuck in bone. Like anybody (laughs) would look at you and be like, you are crazy and this is never going to work. So, you know, I don't know if maybe the disconnect is where they weren't given expectations from the beginning or if it's just they didn't want to be in a prosthetic from the first place. And that's the biggest thing. And that's the one thing in a consultation is I will always say, how are you feeling about this? Because a patient that comes in and says, you know, Carson, I've been in agony and I'm in pain and I just want a perfect smile. 99.9% of the time, you will be successful with that patient. Mm -hmm. But it's the patient that's been told by a dentist or a family member or a friend that says, you know, you need to get your teeth pulled out and they don't want to. Well, you know, those are the hard ones. Mm. And you know, if you ask what percentage of the population that is, it's hard to say. But, you know, I think it's just really identifying your patient, laying out the expectations, and then going from there. Um, we don't see a lot of dentists that have lost the patient or the patient comes in unhappy, usually just because the dentists are really good at identifying that. So if they see that, they just send them to us. Or, you know, and a lot of dentists aren't really doing their own denture work up here anymore. So it's, it's pretty rare that we'll see that. So if a, a dentist sends a patient to you, is it basically your patient? Like, is it just like a new patient to your clinic or do you still work with the dentist? A little bit of both. So if they're like a full, full case, obviously, that will just come back to us. And then we obviously still will refer back for, you know, oral screenings to be done once a year. Uh, We can do that in our office, too. And we like to we have, you know, things like the valve scope and different things. We can't diagnose, but we can still check everything over. So, you know, we can always keep that line of communication open. But for the dentist, like I said, if they have uh, natural teeth remaining, that becomes a patient definitely comes into our office and has their own file and information. But the patient also still has a file with the dentist as well. So we just, you know, chat back and forth if we need insurance information or, you know, history Mm -hmm. or different things like that. So we both have open files of the same patient. But basically, once they come to you, you do the impressions and you do everything pretty much. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if they have natural teeth, the only thing that we don't do is we don't take radiographs just because that's not in our scope of practice. And we don't do any of like the teeth scaling or checking or anything like that. So that's all the dentist wants. Basically give us the green light that says any natural teeth are good to go. Then we're good to go and we take over from there. So in a day, how many patients do you usually see? Well, pre-COVID, um, yeah. Esther and I averaged 18 to 22 a day each. Wow. Yeah, each? we yeah we were flying, and digitals allowed us to do that. Now it varies. I mean, you have your high times and your low times, but now I'd say we're closer to you know that 12, 8 to 12 patient mark, just because you have to leave more time for sterilization. But we're very lucky. We had three denturists when I first started with Esther, and that was three, including myself. And we also have in the last year taken on an intern. So somebody that's just graduated and is looking at getting their portfolio done. So we had four women that we're an all woman clinic. So we had four denturists and we've actually just bounced back down to three. So we are lucky because we have four operatories as well. So we usually keep those flowing pretty well. How the heck do you have time in the day to see 12 patients each and make the dentures? <laughs> yeah, it's digital. Digital dentures have saved us. When Esther and I 
well, Esther made the decision to go digital and I just backed her 120%. We had lost two lab assistants. So we do have one, actually, we've got one lab assistant in the back and she's absolutely amazing. But she does all of our camming, so the milling of the dentures. And then we just slot off enough time for us to be able to do our clinical work as well as get the denture design done. So in that time, we usually can get most of it done, but we're also lucky to, we work only a four day work week. So we work Monday to Thursday being patient and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you're not done your work, you just got to go in and get it done. Or you work from home. Like I do. Sometimes you take the team viewer and you're able to, you know, design your cases from home, which is a beautiful flexibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So every denture you do in the practice is done digitally printed. Yes. Both. So we have a few different workflows. The only workflow we haven't done 100% digital is our partial workflow, but that's soon to be changing. So with patients that come in, uh, we can take either alginate impressions or we intraoral scan them with, uh, we have a TRIO3 and we have a TRIO4. Um, We'll send full intraoral scan just obviously because it's quick and easy. Yeah. Then what we'll do is uh, we'll 3D print a, a try-in for the patient. So off of the alginate or the digital impression scans, we'll design a try-in denture and 3D print that. Then we follow up that appointment with taking polyvinyls or closed mouth impressions and then also doing a NASA meter. So you can attach those on there. And then we follow that. And all of our final dentures are milled dentures. Just because in Canada, we are quite restricted with materials. So we're very limited in resins that we're able to use. We have two PM7s. So we mill everything out of usually Ivoclar material or like a dense fly material. Are you using those Ivotion? <laughs> oh, we love this question. Um, we are not. So you're still milling the acrylic pink in one disc and then the teeth in the other? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So I beta tested for Ivotion during COVID, which was actually nice. I was in the office, just myself and the office manager and, you know, in chats with Bill and everybody else that was on the team. It was wonderful. Mm. It is definitely an art. There is, it, it has its purpose. I don't doubt that. And for the people that are doing it, I'm sure that for them, their workflows, it works just for us after doing like some cost analysis and seeing now what dentures are looking like coming back two to three years later. It just wasn't a product that we felt would work in our clinic. Okay. So we, and we've been in chat with Ivoclar about that and just with our milling time. And because we do have two PM seven, we can do the oversized milling quite fluently. And for us, it it just works with cost. So I'm hoping that, you know, down the road, the Ivotion can come out with like some options. So, you know, with the tooth PMMA part of it, you know, I hope there's options that come out with that so that it's more similar to say like a Phanaris or yeah. something like that. Just because I think right now what's happened in the digital world is the manufacturing, the designing, the computer side of it has skyrocketed. I mean, we're scanning cases now that when we first got our trios, we would have never been able to scan. You know, that edentulous tissue has always been yeah. just such a struggle. So 3Shape has done wonders in, in expanding that. But now where we're lacking, and especially just because we're in Canada, is materials because, you know, we don't have quite the options that we did, I think, when we were in more of an analog world. Mm-hmm. And the, and that's fair because when you look at us, we went fully digital uh, three years ago. 
So it's been three years where now we're seeing, you know, those patients come back for their next procedure being the rebase or the reline. And we're seeing, you know, the wear on the teeth, how the pink parts holding up and all of that stuff. And just getting that feedback from patients and saying, okay, what does a digital denture look like in three years? And that's been interesting because nobody was was able to give anybody that data before. So that's where we've, you know, I feel like it's almost, you know, monthly or bi-weekly that, you know, you're having meetings with colleagues or uh, meetings with the companies. I mean, I've talked with Richard from Argon and he said, you know, of course, what's going to take us to that next level? You know, what do we need to do? And the constant thing is, you know, materials, materials, materials. And like I said, having options and giving a, and not to say that the products out there right now don't have exquisite quality. They do. They're very similar to what we did in the analog world. But I think, too, what you get when you are doing digital dentures is you get a better fitting prosthetic. Therefore, the patient can chew better. Therefore, they're going to chew through it that much harder. So let's see, you know, a jump in materials that says this denture for sure is going to last the wear of, you know, five to seven years. Aren't you guys driving over your dentures with big wheeled trucks like we do in America? I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't even understand that. You know, we were talking about it and it's like all these teeth pucks have a tensile strength number, but I'm like, where's the wear abrasion number? (laughs) Like where's it if we like ground it on a, if you had a sand grinder or something, just ground the puck, like where's that? I want to see that, not a, not a truck. You got a truck going anywhere near your mouth, you have a problem. <laughs> I'm just looking for the, the old lady to drop it in a sink. I mean, let's be oh, honest, yes. you know? <laughs> yes, that one would be epic. I could understand that one. I also, okay, I love my job. I love being in the North because we have the craziest stuff happen to us. I could do a whole podcast on this, but I've had a patient that was, oh, he was a logger, so he worked out in the bush, and he was leaning over a grinder which grinds up the wood as far as I yeah. know and he sneezed and the denture like went into that oh, oh no <laughs> uh, I had a wait a lady last week and she had a red solo cup which I think she thought was full of beer maybe she was drinking trench beer and got a little intoxicated and threw <laughs> threw her teeth in the cup and then threw them in the fire by accident so oh no I mean there's a few tests we could run that I'm sure would have some awesome response I'm like Esther we need to make a cool commercial yeah <laughs> Did a moose step on your denture? Yeah. (laughs) I actually did have a guy that a bear stole his denture. I'm not kidding you. Bear? (laughs) A bear stole his backpack, which his dentures were in the backpack. And I'm like, okay, we need to talk. Why weren't they in your mouth? But yeah, (laughs) he hunted that bear and he went through that bear and there was no teeth to be found. Oh, no. But again, that's the beauty of digital, right? So you can just redo it. That is it. Honestly, we have probably had, you know, I think even five patients in just the last year that have called and, you know, they're upset and we're like, no problem. They're like, what? What? And then, you know, next thing you know, you have five of their friends in your office. So it's beautiful. And it's, you know, especially for immediate dentures. And this is something Esther and I have been talking about a lot because I think that they are one of the most difficult patients for the simple fact that you're taking away teeth that were stuck in bone and giving them plastic. But it's nice to be able to be like, hey, I know you don't think you've shrunk, but here's an overlay of your scan from day one. And we're now three months later. So this is actually how much you've shrunk. And patients are shocked. They're in awe. 
they can't believe it. And you get them right at that point where they're like, okay, this is starting to make sense. They actually know what they're talking about. I am going to shrink. And this is why the prosthetic isn't working. Hmm. So it has been a staple, not only in our communications to say, we can mill you out another one, but also now in our communications to say, hey, this looks good. You're shrinking. These teeth are okay, but you need to keep them clean. And when a patient sees their own mouth on a screen, their reaction is unlike anything I have ever seen. And they usually become way more responsive and you can educate them that much more. So for the ones that do have the teeth, we're like, Hey, we want you to keep these. So how are we going to do that? And, and they're good about it. So not only are you a denturist, but it sounds to me like you're a designer as well. How did you learn that skill? Yeah, that is so much fun. So Esther and I, when we started out digital, I think there was like one manual for how to do it. And we were so stuck because it took us, I think, six months to figure out in our order form that you had to bridge the teeth to unlock the algorithm to do your working balancing. But we were lucky. So with the three of us at the time that there was, uh, we designated Esther as like our digital guru. So she spent the day nailing down digital and figuring it out and trial and error. While myself and the other denturists ran the clinic and did, you know, kind of finished up our analog stuff. But I am so lucky to have found Northern Lights because if there's one thing Esther is, she is determined and she will find a way. And, you know, it doesn't matter if that way costs you $5 or if it costs you $5,000. So we flew to Phoenix and New York multiple times, Chicago, places in BC. We, you know, we were reaching out to colleagues in Australia and Europe because you know, we'd get a little bit and then we get stuck. So it was honestly trial and error in that communication between people and, you know, spending the money to fly and go and learn because when you do that big of an investment, you need it to work. Yeah. So that's what we did. We were driven and essentially to learn how to design digital is just analog, but on a computer. So the fundamentals of a denture are still the same. You're not changing that. You're just changing the way essentially that you look at it. So I think that's one of the biggest hurdles people face is, you know, you could have picked up an articulator when you were analog and turned it and looked 360 and did this. And on a computer, yes, you can turn a denture 360, but it's about learning which ways and what angles to look at it so that it actually does become 3D. And it is something that I think is the hardest thing to learn. Mm -hmm. But, you know, trial and error, chatting with the reps, chatting with friends, putting some dentures in mouths that we were like, oh, God, okay, yeah, we need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> but we've had a wonderful team. We are so lucky at Northern Lights. Everybody, you know, we sat down in our meeting. Esther loves to make plans in pools with beverages. So he said, we said, January 1, we're going digital. And everyone's like, oh my God, okay. So, you know, the girls up front had to learn how to schedule us. Our lab assistants had to learn, you know, a whole new way of manufacturing dentures. And us as denturists had to learn how to create a product that was equal to or better than what we were already giving patients mm -hmm. with technology, which any of us did our undergrads in. We were like, what's a computer? Our cam girl, she had never even hardly gone on the internet on a computer before. She looked at Esther. She's like, I'm going to like, I'm going to lose my job. And Esther's like, no, you won't. Like, we will get you through it. So training time, and then it becomes second nature. It sounds amazing to me to be at home and be able to still get it done 
you know, get on the computer, design a case. I mean, if you're seeing 12 patients a day, you really don't have a heck of a lot of time. No, you know, that's the beauty of it too. And I'll say, even go as far as saying, we're all women in our clinic and a lot of us have families or are expecting children. So it does lend a flexibility even to the company where, you know, I could be at home on a maternity leave and if Esther's jam-packed, it's like, hey, can you fire on and design this case? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a whole other flexibility and that primarily we think about maternity leaves and women, but, you know, there's also men that take that too, but Esther's famous saying that we laugh about in the office is she's like, you know, your PM7 is not going to get sick. It's not going to get pregnant. So, <laughs> you know, welcome to your, your employee of the month. But it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? It, it does offer a flexibility. It allows you, I mean, you could design dentures from a beach. You could, you know, design them on an airplane. Whereas before, I mean, it'd be pretty hard to take wax and your knife and all that good stuff. So fascinating. Elvis, did we lose him? Hello? Uh oh. I haven't heard from him. When you don't hear from him, you know something's wrong. <laughs> Just like a little toddler, hey? You're like, uh oh, they're into something. <laughs> uh oh. Where is he on my cell? Hold on, I'm going to text him. Weird. This never happens. Huh. Oh, he hears us. We don't hear you. All right, so stand by. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's texting me. So let's see what's going on here. Well, that was a really great conversation so far. Yeah, it's always so interesting to talk about it. And I think you even, you know, we even take for granted kind of what we, because it's just so normal for us. So when you chat with other people, it's cool to hear, you know, like what other people are doing or what they kind of know about your profession and, and different things like that. So I think that's why we we miss conventions and getting together so much just yeah. because, God, that was our time to like, unwind and chat and be like hey what are you doing what are you doing what's working what's not working and brings everybody back to to reality and normal because god this career can take it out of you (laughs) so we can just stay on he's going to stop the recording and then jump back on so just give us like two minutes sorry (laughs) and i'm a guy i was never listening to oh yes you were (laughs) yes you were that was awesome. So basically, I think we were talking about you designing and being yeah everywhere. Design. Yeah. And I was going to ask, do you use three shape? You must with the trio system. Yes, we do. So we have three shape everything, and the reason we did that was at the time when we were looking to purchase, it was between three shape and ExoCat. And the main reason that Esther went with three shape was it has the ability to cut the teeth to the antagonist and do the working and balancing virtually. Hmm. That was the biggest selling feature for us. And then kind of like an Apple product, you know, Apple watches, talk to AirPods, talk to phones. We just felt, yeah. you know, it was easier to just stay with three shape and the, the people there are absolutely amazing. And, you know, now that we're with Argon, our, support and just everything that they've done for us it is hands down amazing and for removables we do believe that three shape is the best so and i mean obviously there's bias in there because that's the one that we've used majority of the time but the interesting Mm -hmm. experience for us and why i think we are so in love with three shape is we started out when it was you know version one And, you know, they've taken the feedback that we've given and we've been a part of the beta testing and all of that stuff, moving everything forward. So what we do love is, is they listen, right? When you say, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, this is really working. 
but we need to like modify this. They listen and they make those changes. And we worked quite closely with Rahul at Three Shape. Unfortunately, he's gone to a different department now, but he was such a staple for removables because three years ago, dentures were not cool. Like nobody wanted to stock dentures. You'd go to a big dental convention and there was like a few courses on dentures, but now if you're lucky. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you know, now we go and it's like removables, removables. What are you doing? Digital, you know, different things. And there's such a dynamic now where Esther are like, Hey, we want to take some crown and bridge courses because um, like on three shape, because we want to know what the power of the software is in its entirety, because removables is a very small portion of it. So mm-hmm. you do have that flexibility, but yeah, now it's amazing. Dentures are, are the hot and cool topic. And it's fun to see because I mean, we've always thought they were cool. People would be like, Oh, you make dentures. We're like, yeah, yeah, of course yeah. you make dentures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to see some cool pictures? You know, Esther and I love like the gnarly crazy dentures are cool mouths that come in and you know we geek out a little bit like that whereas you know people are more willing to do that with us now oh yeah do you get excited when you get to put a gold tooth in the denture i mean we do in the lab that was that's always a fun day is that not big in canada (laughs) uh you know what it is like it's pretty funny there's been actually when i worked in clonell it was just before i got there but he had done a denture with the teeth out of jade jade like all the teeth were in jade I was like, what? Is that even a hard stone? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I don't know if it was just like on the facial surface or what, but like some people have some pretty crazy things to ask. But, you know, gold teeth are always cool. When a patient comes in and they're like, I do not want a Hollywood smile. I'm like, I could kiss you. Thank you. (laughs) Let's have some fun. (laughs) You know? Fabulous Smiles, Shermeck and Kate, they came out with that wonderful book, you know, where they've scanned in people's teeth and then turned it into a removables library. So, you know, we have patients flip through a book and they're like, hey, this looks exactly like my old smile. You know, you modify the tooth shape and size and and there you have a denture that doesn't look like a denture. And to us, that is the biggest compliment we can ever get. So gold teeth, you know, crooked teeth, some diastemas, anything like that, we always definitely get a little excited. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Have you ever scanned a patient before extractions and made a denture with their exact teeth from before? Yeah. So we actually love to scan our immediate patients first yeah like before they have the teeth removed and I actually just saw one yesterday and you couldn't even tell we took before and after pictures and she was like crying in the chair (laughs) so those are always satisfying and it's cool for us too I mean you do have to modify some things obviously dentures don't function like natural teeth but you know for the most part you can keep it pretty familiar and and they're shocked right we also have a Bellis 3D scanner so we do facial scanning for our immediate oh nice so that's a a wonderful thing and you know involving the patients like I know a lot of our colleagues use the smile design feature um, that the trios has which I think is great um, I personally love the bellus just because you're putting the actual smile that you've designed into that face and it everything just talks so beautifully so that is something we're just waiting for our bellus arc to come in so just because there is a little bit of distortion when you're moving the iPad to get the mm-hmm. three 60 or the 180 scan but there's so many things that are coming down the chute the next thing I think that will make me just jump off the wall would be I know for crown and bridge they have the ability for the trios to record basically a patient's uh, protrusive and lateral movement Mm, and I would love to be able to get that into denture world because that would just change our lives and change what we're able to make so 
I think it's going to be crazy. Do you use the Bellis face scan for every patient? For most of them, yes. Yeah. yeah, especially immediate patients. Actually, we just launched our remote care program. So where we live, we have a lot of uh, Indigenous reserves around the community here, as well as in every other direction around us, because Prince is kind of in the middle. It's a bit of a hub. So now, instead of them and the bands having to pay all of this money to transfer patients out, and I mean, they'd have to fly them out of some of these rural areas, we approached them and said, hey, we can come to you. Mm. So uh-huh. what we're doing now and our ability with our technology is we can pack up our trio. Gosh, we could even pack up a 3D printer if we wanted. And we can fly us in as a team or a few of us and stay there for two to three days, see all the patients, because there are a lot of elders that actually can't even come out. So when you look at these remote communities, a lot of them do need oral health care So now we can come to them because they couldn't come to us. So that's been beautiful because now it allows us clinically at home in Prince to figure out workflows that are going to work when we go out there. And with the technology nowadays, you can do so much in one clinical setting where that would have taken, you know, three or four appointments before. So you guys are going to get like a RV or (laughs) the Northern Lights private jet? (laughs) Yeah, so Ezra and I, we actually uh, looked into and got all the information to get our pilot's license. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Still on the bucket list, but I found out I was pregnant a couple weeks just before we were going to like actually lock it down. So I said, we'll just wait. But for right now, we can uh, get pilots to fly us in on like float planes. So we're not private jet status. Uh, we're more like float plane and, you know, those ones. But some yeah, of yeah. the communities are, you know, not that far away from us. So anything like we can drive out there and come home or, you know, say we've written in just that, you know, they provide some accommodation for us. So driving or flying, you know, being in the north, it's kind of our norm. If you ever played sports as a kid and you were from here every weekend you were traveling eight nine hours one direction so and it's the country is stunning Mm -hmm. so it makes it worth it you get some bonding time but yeah it's a beautiful place in the world so we we really don't mind that's great yeah yeah but i I think some of the team's a little nervous to fly with us because like esther and i are like whoa like whoa what's going on you know we get sidetracked the girls are like i will not get in a plane with you to the bucket list of things we need to accomplish but we'll see if we get there i wanted to visit again you mentioned earlier that you're able to scan edentulous patients with the trios trios four Mm -hmm. i would imagine that's always been an issue in a lab i've always had to tell clinicians that indentulous patients are pretty much unscannable with today's technology, but I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. So we have the trio three and we have the trio four. Uh They just came out with an update now called AI 2.0, and that is definitely geared towards being able to scan edentulous tissue. So initially when we started scanning edentulous tissue, like, like, say for a partial free end, it was difficult, but if a patient was a smoker, so if they smoke cigarettes, marijuana, I don't know what it was, if it was because it was dehydrated and a bit more pigmented, it it picked up from day one. Really? 
Yeah, we were Crazy. like, patients would come in and they're like, they're like, do you smoke? Because they would like pick up really good. And they're like, yes, I do. And, and me and Esther are like, yes. And they were like, look at us. They're like, our dental provider has never said that to us before. We're like, hey, you need to quit smoking. But for right now, this is awesome. <laughs> so we're going to scan you today. Here's a here's a joint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's legal up here now. So, you know, maybe we should start offering that. <laughs> Brewery, dispensary, you got a whole market of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, one of those denture girls doing up north, eh? No wonder our, our, our patient's report and response is so good. So, no, so it was, yeah, it was a challenge at first. But, you know, the biggest thing to remember, I think, when scanning is, A, the technology I do believe is there now, but it's all in technique. And we've trained people and we run a, a training program out of our office. And these clinicians come in and they grab that scanner and they're just like, hog wild you know like they're on a nascar race or something over this mm. issue and you're just like whoa, whoa whoa like technology is amazing it is so awesome but you know it's still a camera and it still has to stitch pictures together it's like back in the old school when you know your dad would whip out the old video camera and you know you can't just go like 180 right across like you got to take it slow and yeah and do that so i think it's a very technical thing and i always compare it because sorry people do struggle a little bit at the beginning with you know, scanning. And I'm like, well, remember when you tried to take your first alginate? A, it either set up in the tray before you got it in the mouth or B, that patient had alginate for lunch. Like, you know, you weren't (laughs) awesome at it. So so take a minute, like, and and forgive yourself and be easy on yourself and, you know, take your wins and celebrate them and take your losses and learn from them. But, you know, as you watch clinicians, you know, get used to the technology and understand it more. And, you know, the best scanner is somebody that designs their own cases, because when you get back to design and you're like, oh, my God, I missed the entire tuberosity or, you know, I didn't get the sublingual depth that I need. Well, guess what? When you go back to scan next time, you're going to do it better. Yeah. And yeah. the technology, it, it has come like it is there. You just have to respect it, number one, and then learn how to play with it and learn how to trick it a little bit. I mean, Esther and I had four hands in a lady's mouth yesterday because the sublingual spongy tissue is so high. I'm like, Hey, I need you in here. You got to pull this out of the way. I got to do this. And she was willing to go through four hands in her mouth to get a digital, (laughs) digital made partial. They're not all going to be like that, but it's just a learning curve. So do you take traditional impressions at all anymore? Uh, Very rarely. I love the trios. Like the trios is my baby. And simply just because the day before we got it, I had a patient come in and I had actually gone to school with her, which I always hate working on people that I know, but it was, yeah, it was 9am and I'm like, okay, she, she did mention she like gags a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, take the impression. I mean, I picked up like three alginate bowls of puke. Oh, Oh, it was gross. I was like, girl, how did you eat that much breakfast? Like, (laughs) oh my God. I didn't say that to her because she did feel bad. But I went back to Esther and he was like, oh my God, you're disgusting. And I was like, we need to go digital now. Like, I'm a scanner. So I made it my mission to ensure that she knew that was that was a good investment. So and everyone's different. Every clinician's different. I'd say Esther's a little bit more inclined to do alginates, and that's just probably because she's done them longer than I have, and that's her comfort zone. Whereas I'm really competitive, and I'm like, I'm gonna scan this mouth, and like it is gonna be a hard mouth, and I'm gonna get it so I can brag about it to her because <laughs> we just have that relationship. So we always, you know, it makes us better clinicians and a better better team for that. 
pushing each other all the time. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. You guys are yeah. killing it up there. You guys are doing some amazing things. Do you send anything out to a lab, or is everything done in the office? Right now, the only thing that we do send out to a lab is our frameworks, and that's uh-huh. just because uh, we have both of our mills set up as dry mills for PMMA, and we don't want to do the the wet milling for the titanium. No way. Yep. And, you know, as Denturis, like, you do learn, like, obviously you learn partials and design and different things like that. But honestly, like, I think it's a little bit of – you know, kind of respect in our industry too, where I'm like, there's, you know, removable technicians out there that can design a partial way better than I can. So I'd pay for that. In school, we had to actually design and finish a partial. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I have so much respect. (laughs) The ability though, with the milled titanium partials, I mean, they are something else. They are wonderful. We have patients call us after insertion and they're like, I don't even feel it in my mouth. This is the best thing I've ever had. So like I said, let the pros do what the pros do and, and respect that and go from there. So in short, we just outsource our, our frames right now. But the place you outsource, they're milling them. Yeah. And that's the thing, like Very to cool. find a digital lab was hard. And I mean, we had some labs that it was difficult. And that's just because I think people are still so new into like the 3D printing game. So for some of them, you know, they were getting the scans, 3D printing a model, but if that model's not steered correctly or not, you know, nested yeah. correctly on a printer, you're going to get distortion. And the whole reason for not taking a high definition alginate anymore to make a partial is because you want accuracy. So when you have to switch out of multiple mediums, you're messing that up and causing distortion. So then Absolutely. when you get that final product, I mean, how can you really call it a digital partial when it, it yeah. hasn't really been? So Yeah, true. every time you add a step, you have more of a chance of distortion. Yeah, exactly. So Carson, what's next for you? You getting back out on the speaking circuit as things open up? Oh, God, I hope so. We um, just booked into our association convention in September. So Mm -hmm. we're just hoping and praying that that will still be able to run with COVID. But yes, I do hope so. I had to cancel, I think, four trips due to COVID. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I am expecting a baby in the fall. So I think life will change slightly. But I do hope to, you know, bring the little gaffer with me and uh, teach her or him what mom does. So yeah. yeah, I'm lucky to do that. I have a wonderful spouse that hopefully he'll come and be my daycare and then I can still get back up there and learn and do. And I'm just excited to hear what other people are doing. In all honesty, I miss sitting in those lectures or sitting around the table with a couple beverages and, you know, talking with people from all over the world and, you know, learning different workflows and what they're doing and what's working and, you know, we do have some exciting things coming down the chute for us, um, just with different things that we're testing out right now. One of the, our favorite conventions actually was one that we helped put together. It was in Kelowna a couple years ago, and it was just the raw and dirty. None of the speakers were sponsored, and it was like, like tell us your biggest mess up. Tell us like everything yeah. good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just it was raw and it was epic and it was just like, you know, you finally felt like, okay, I'm not doing that bad of a job because so many people, <laughs> it's, it's no different than lifestyles. I mean, you get on social media and you're like, damn, like that clinic is killing it. Right. But yeah. there's so much behind the scenes where it's like, no one's going to go post be like, Hey, these are like five partials that didn't fit in a patient's mouth. Like, yeah, woohoo, happy yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen. So it was a cool convention in that sense, but God, getting on a bigger scale, Chicago, all of New York, you know, we really wanted to actually head over to, to Germany, to IDS, but 
yeah. you know that that's a bucket list one still so For hopefully yeah god that's the goal will you be uh going to the national venturist meeting in october here in las vegas I won't be just because I think I'll probably be in in the hospital at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can say fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I did tell Esther because I think Esther is going to go. So I did tell her, I'm like, you have to FaceTime me because I have serious uh-huh. phones. I'm a little bit jealous. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it'll be a great, a great event for everyone that is attending. I'm sure everyone's itching to, to get back and see each other and check it out and just, you know, be able to maybe do a handshake or god even a hug would be nice once in a while elbow bump yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) well carson thank you so much for coming on the podcast i had no idea you guys were doing all that you're doing up there that's amazing well thank you for having me it was nice to chat with you guys i mean not in person but still a closer communication stream than than if we hadn't chatted in a year so congratulations on your baby amazing thank you oh, yeah. yeah i'm excited yeah. yeah make sure they turn into a denture yes oh it will be born and bred i'm gonna have it on a computer mouse and like denture design in no time i'm like esther you just hired carson 2.0 she's like i can hardly handle one of you so <laughs> i need a strict contract for this one. <laughs> is the first toy gonna be a trios I mean, oh <laughs> i hope so i should start 3d printing some cool stuff right now but that's the goal <laughs> awesome Carson. Well, again, we appreciate it and we'll talk to you and hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Sounds great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Whitmix is pleased to add the Varicast OS, a burnout pattern print resin, to Whitmix's growing Varibrand resin offering. Varicast OS works with LCD, and DLP printers in both 385 and 405 nanometer wavelengths. It prints accurate and detailed crowns, bridges, substructures, and RPD frameworks. It's durable and leaves no ash or residue. Since it burns out cleanly, Barricats OS is ideal for investment casting and ceramic pressing. For optimal results, we recommend the Whitmix Resin Vest which is a phosphate investment made specifically for burning out printed or milled resin patterns. Visit Whitmix.com to learn more about the Vericast OS or any of Whitmix's other 3D print resins. A huge thanks to Carson Law for coming on our podcast and talking about all of the amazing things that you guys are doing up north and hopefully giving some inspiration to some technicians that want to take their career to the next level. Even with digital, like I don't see how you can see as many patients as you guys do and get everything done. It's really impressive. Most labs struggle with it without seeing the patient at all. So congratulations on the baby, and we look forward to seeing you on the stage again really soon. And now, we wrap up Dental Technician and CDT Appreciation Month with the latest collection of audio thanks that were sent in. A few of these people might sound familiar. Hey, everybody. This is Whitney McCarty. I'm a CAD technician at Midwest Dental Arts. That is my new dental home, and I'm super excited about it and all the amazing things that are going on there. I wanted to reach out and just contribute a little to the Dental Technician Appreciation Week. Last year, I contributed, and it was pretty meaningful to me, especially with uh, COVID going on and All of us needed our morale 
lifted as much as possible during that time. So I just wanted to, first of all, say thank you to Elvis and Barbara for Voices from the Bench and all that you all do and contribute to lifting morale and keeping humor high. The Three Shape Study Group, I would not be where I am without that group and the people in it, period. Always will give that group and the people in it a shout out whenever given the opportunity. My heart belongs there and I don't think anything could ever change that. Also just wanted to give some recognition to nobody really in particular, but just all of us. We all contribute every day to growing and perfecting a craft that only we can do. And I have a deep love for what we do. And when the work is done and you can sit back and look at it and look at your process and what you did and how you improved and the cool things that you did for this patient or with this doctor and there's not a price tag that you can put on that. The feeling when that's done, hard to put into words. And I couldn't do what I do without the people that have contributed to me. And I'm sure that there's many others that would say the same thing. So we all need each other to continue to grow and improve and strive for perfection. And without each other, we'd just be working alone. So that's what I wanted to share. Thank you all for listening. And for everyone who contributes to someone else's growth, don't stop doing that because that's what's going to keep us going. Y'all have a good day. I'm headed to Florida. Elvis Dahl here from the Preet Corporation. Obviously, I want to give a big thanks to everyone who has listened to the podcast, has shared the podcast, and especially those who took the time to be on the podcast. We love what we do because we love the industry so much. I also want to give a huge thanks to all the people at Preet for hiring and then training me over the last few months. Everybody at Preet is amazing to work with, and I couldn't be happier working at a stellar company that believes in education first. And last, as I head out on the road and visit dental labs, thank you for letting me in and talking to me about the amazing things Preet can do to help you succeed. And if I haven't stopped by yet, I'll see you soon. Hey guys, this is Blake Barksdale, Operations Manager of Barksdale Dental Laboratory. I am so thankful for the opportunity to thank my CDTs and technicians at my laboratory. Dan Yoder, CDT of Full Dentures. Joshua Cook, CDT of Implants. Jesse McDonald, CDT of Ceramics. And most importantly, my father, Steve Barksdale, 42 years CDT of Ceramics and Crown and Bridge. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. God bless. Hi, my name is Catherine McGee, and I am the Minnesota Donated Dental Services Program Coordinator with Dental Lifeline Network. Every year, over 3,400 dental laboratories nationwide provide lab services for thousands of our patients in need. Many of our patients are medically fragile, elderly, and disabled. Many of them are also military veterans. Without dental lab technicians like yourselves, our volunteer dentists would not be able to restore the functionality or smiles of these people who could otherwise not afford the care. Before coming to Dental Lifeline Network, I was a lab technician myself for about 10 years. I truly know and appreciate all of the time and skill that goes into these cases you provide for our patients. 
So on behalf of myself, all of the other coordinators, all of our admin staff out in Denver, we just thank all of you guys for everything that you do. It is truly life-changing for these patients. If you are interested in helping and are not signed up yet, please feel free to go to our website, dentallifeline.org. You can sign up to participate in any state. Thank you guys again so much. Thank you just does not seem to cut it, but thank you so much. So I'm Barbara Wojan, and I would like to thank my father, Bob Warner, for forcing me into this industry when I was just a wee little girl at 18. He was an amazing mentor. I absolutely love what I do. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my dad and be super grateful for him. He's a CDT also, probably 50 years. So thank you for that as well. He pushed me into becoming a CDT too. I love you, dad. Thank you for everything. Hello, everyone. My name is Fred Levitin. I'm president and CEO of Dental Lifeline Network. We operate the Donated Dental Services Program, or DDS, with which many of you may be familiar. If you're not, I hope you learn about it. We have over 3,400 dental laboratories that volunteer across the country, along with 15,000 dentists who donate comprehensive dental treatment to people who are either disabled, elderly, or medically fragile. And your, your services, if you're volunteering, have made an incredible difference in the lives of these people. Rather than talking about statistics, I'd like to tell you a little story about a person who's been helped and where you can see the impact of these programs. We have a woman, her name's Catherine, 64 years old, who lives in Kansas. And forgive me for reading this because I'm reading a case story. Um, in addition to diabetes, she suffered a stroke and continues to experience significant side effects from that. She was also missing several teeth, others were broken, and her existing partial denture was cracked. Through the DDS program, a generous oral surgeon extracted blood and teeth and placed two implants that were donated by Strong in USA. Catherine is going to be receiving full upper and lower partial implant retained denture that will restore her dental health thanks to the contributions of our volunteers, including one very, very generous lab. So if you're not participating in donated dental services, we hope you'll join your colleagues in making a difference in people who are so vulnerable and can't get help on their own. Thank you. Hey, is this thing on? Mic check, mic check, cash, money order, food stamps, that weird little NFC microchip thing they're putting on credit cards now. What the hell is that all about? Anyways, Justin here, or Mr. Awesome, I guess if you so choose. Just wanted to give a big thanks and a shout out to all the techs who work for me here at Colonial Dental Lab in the removable department. Jeff, Diego, Joel, Mark, Donovan, and Jake. And I wanted to thank you, Elvis, and Barbara for the show you guys put on and everything you do for the Dental Lab community. Thanks a lot. Peace out. Keep making teeth. Thank you to everyone that celebrated the month with us here at the podcast. We believe that every week should be Dental Technician Appreciation Week. Hell yeah, we do, Elvis. So we will continue to celebrate it every week and talking to some amazing people in it. All righty. That's all we got for you. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, guys. Is this me? What do you want me to do? <laughs>